You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are live. A new edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast with Tolly and Beto. Before we bring in Josh Tolly, who uh, was a big hit, and I want to have Tolly on deck right now because I have some positive comments, Rick, of Josh Tolly being added to the podcast. What'd you hear? Yeah, I heard the same thing, man. It was pretty cool. Um, I think everyone likes the dynamic of having a pitcher and a catcher on board, and you know we get to explain both sides. I think I got I dug into a little bit last uh, last episode about how cool that was going to be in. Uh, a lot of positive feedback. He was pumped. He said he got a lot of positive feedback, too. So I'm excited for today's show. We have a guest. It should be really exciting. Yeah, and as far as uh, everybody leaving comments about last week's audio issues, okay, it was raining in L.A. The one time of the year it rains, so you heard the thunderstorms. I do the show from the garage, and there's no insulation. So I, I don't know anything else. So that's what you heard in the beginning. And Ricky's microphone I messed up. I didn't have his level set up, but we went and tested it, and you can actually see it on the screen. We're ready to go, and the man who is just all fired up, as always, Josh Tolley in his beautiful studio in upstate New York. Tolley, wait till you hear the comments on how much people love you, man. Chomping at the bits again, boys. Let's go. <laughs> all right, before we get going, Tolley, you I don't know much about you besides just the guy who uh, led Johan Santana to a no-hitter. Um you live on a farm and you were a roofer yesterday? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Should we should we show the people? Oh yeah. <laughs> where I was yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Let, let me pull this up for you guys. Because this dude really is uh, living retirement. For those of you wondering about Josh Tolley's social media, it doesn't exist. I'm so jealous of him. But he is a guy that lives in upstate New York on a farm. And Tolley, while you're looking for that picture, let's uh, shout out Derek. Uh, Pantor4 on Instagram, he said, hey, good move having Tolly join the podcast. I've heard him on other podcasts. He has a very engaging and friendly demeanor. Can't wait to hear more from you, more great content. Please get Ricky a new microphone, LOL. I wrote back to him, please leave that on the iTunes rate and review on YouTube, all that other good stuff. Uh, the microphone has been fixed. So we appreciate you, Derek. All right, Tolly, what do you got? <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Not only a knuckleball specialist, but a roofer. Wow. He does it all. Yeah, I Rick, do it all. Jack of all trade, master of none, boys. Rick, could you get on a roof right now and do that kind of work? Hell no, man. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Hell uh, no. It's, it's uh, you know, like I said, it's been cool having Josh. We're an episode in, and you can just feel the energy of us texting back and forth about yep. our next guest and how it was going to be and all that good stuff so um it should it sh this episode should be pretty cool we want to dig uh you know dive into a little bit yeah. the, about the, the dh um so that should be fun yeah and uh brad or bonovitz i hope i'm saying your name right um uh, uk fan uh, i said i tried watching it but we're gonna get better love that Tolly is on here not the best catcher thanks but he sure can talk 
There it is. And so whatever comment you guys leave on our Let's Go Ricky Roll Instagram page, I'm going to read it on the show. So if you're going to try to... Yeah. No, 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 no. If you're going to... Everybody's super nice. So just know that uh, we read all the comments. We appreciate you. And we do have a lot of fun with it. So today's uh, topic, what we're going to do with the show is we're going to have a theme every single week and try to bring somebody on. If we have a guest, cool. If not, don't worry about it. Today's guest, and you guys talked about it, former teammate of yours, Adam Lind, who was the DH for a lot of years. And we're going to talk to him about what it's like being a DH and then just catch up with him. And then we'll hang up with Adam and then we'll recap the show. So we're here for you uh, every single Tuesday, 10 a.m. Uh, we are live. Uh, uh, Ruben Polanco checks in. Mr. Boxing Guru checking in. So we are doing this live for you right now. Tolly, why did you want to do the DH topic? Well, I, I'm intrigued at how the conversation has shifted from the COVID last year, the rules having a DH in both leagues, and then this year you get voting out to say, no, we're going to go back to how it used to be. I find it intriguing as to who takes what side of the coin and – I grew up watching the Cardinals, so I grew up in the National League. I came up with the Mets. National League Baseball is – the strategy behind it is significantly – there's more, obviously, right? Okay. As far as double switches, when the pitcher comes to hit, how you pretty much make your roster. And this is a topic that I, I love to talk about and I love to debate, and I, I really do enjoy hearing other people's point of view on it. And here he is joining us right now. Oh. He was dialing. Okay, well, when he dials back, we'll get him. Uh, we'll, it's an interesting topic. And I, as a guy who covered a lot of Dodger games for a lot of years, wish that the DH was there in the National League because the last thing you need to see is Grady Little making another double switch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, it really is an interesting topic because you find yourself, you talk to players and it's, a, it's pretty split. Like, some guys like it, some guys don't. I mean, I came up in the AL East, and no, that's all I that's all I knew. I mean, you're facing Vladdy Guerrero, senior I'm talking about, Hideki Matsui, Big Poppy. These are the guys that were, like, when I was there, these are the guys that you're facing. So you're not facing an extra out in a pitcher. And I mean, you know, and not all pitchers are easy outs. I mean, I'm <laughs> – Go ahead, Rick. How many hits do you got in the major leagues? No, no, it's not even about that. Tim Hudson <laughs> took me deep one time, you know. Let's talk about that. He Wait, who did? Me, Tim Hudson. And there's some guys that can hit. Uh, there's some guys, Like, I remember being in camp with Madison Bumgarner, and he was like, they better not take that DH away. He loves hitting. You know, and and it's just pretty interesting how you, you see both sides of it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's definitely tougher when you're facing a DH in, like, a big poppy of Vladdy, Hideki Matsui. I mean, it just adds another element into the game it also gives a chance for superstars to take a day off and just worry about hitting you know it's all that 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 good stuff i mean it's just it's way different than 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 the national totally you see that bat above ricky's head yeah you know where that's from right it must be the first hit maybe he had Indeed, it is. That's a couple of knocks. Uh, Ricky, uh, Lynn was trying to uh, check in, so just text him and say what's up, and then I'm going to read a couple uh, other comments we have for right now. Um, this guy on Instagram, you'll love him. Uh, his name is Alaska Jones. 
Uh, he's a big supporter of the show, totally. Uh, he loves us. He, he's up there, always posting about us. So Alaska Jones, Nano7 on Instagram. We appreciate you joining in with us all the time, and it's every single Tuesday. Also, Blue Jay Fans UK. Blue Jay Fans UK. Uh, they support us a lot, and uh, they always are leaving nice comments. We appreciate you, Blue Jay Fans UK. Look, I'm an LA guy. I didn't know the reach of Toronto Blue Jays fandom. And as Ricky reminded me, it's an entire country. So we appreciate you leaving comments for everybody else. So we'll get going. All right. I think he is joining us right now. Let's get him in. Uh, there he is. There it is. Adam oh, Lynn joining the show. Oh, smooth. Smooth <laughs> right now. Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> Lindy's a little nervous, man. He's not Adam on Bethel, I'll be the guy conducting this train wreck we got going on right now. But thank you for coming on. Uh, how are you? Where are you right now? I'm in what uh, I call my man cave uh, in the back. So I tried having the camera face in my backyard, but it was so bright. And I blended in with the lightness. Ah, no, no problem. <laughs> no problem, problem. And then uh, what? what is oh, – hold on. Let me let me get you your solo shot, Lynn. We'll just get rid of these guys. We don't need them. Uh, hold on. We're, all, we're doing this live for you. All right, Lindy, behind you, you have those scarves. Liverpool, Ireland. What else you got? Yeah, it's kind of been the thing I do. I, uh, when I go on trips with my friends, we try and go somewhere that uh, – we have a connection, and then two, we try and mix and match that with soccer games. So, over the past uh, four or five years, I've uh, been going over to Europe and, and watching football, soccer. Who's your team? Uh, I mean, the team I follow the most would be uh, like USA Soccer, uh, but I just love going over there and uh, going to the pubs and being part of the experience. Ricky, we got a soccer hooligan on the show, bro. Yeah, we do, man. I didn't even know that. I, I remember him talking about it a little bit that he, he had gone out there. And, I mean, from, from when he talked about it, it's he said that it's a completely different atmosphere than you've ever experienced. And you experienced it a little bit, Bethel, going up there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just a whole other dynamic, I feel like. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that Lindy joined us. Um, you know, I played with him since. 05 when I first got drafted in Dunedin. I joined the team in Dunedin. He was one of the guys that was already there. Probably, uh, and and I'm serious when I say this, probably the best double-A hitter I ever saw in my time there. <laughs> and and that would get you the and big to, leagues. <laughs> and totally to, 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 to agree with this. It was Adam Lynn and for me number two, Kevin Pillar. Because you remember that tear he went in when, before he got called up. Totally. Those two guys, to me, were the best double-A hitters I'd ever seen. Ever. Yeah, Lindy, that's yeah. a compliment, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey that's, that's a lot better than a lot of people. That's right. You, you got that right. <laughs> and and I remember he still, I think he got called up out of double-A, right, Lindy? Nah, I went to triple-A for a month. You went to triple-A? And then, it, and then went to the big leagues. Didn't you win the MVP? And you already yeah, like Mike Basco called me into the office and I thought I was going up to the big leagues and uh, 
he really uh, dr dramatized the the moment. And he was like, I just want to say congratulations. You're the double A player of the year. I was like, I don't even care. <laughs> That's not the ultimate dry hump. <laughs> that is the ultimate dry hump right there, man. But that's Mike Basso. That sucks. Right. That sucks. Yeah, so, uh, Lynn, today's theme, we're talking about the DH. Tony, let's go. Take it away. Yeah, Lindy, I, I think we've been talking in depth about what we think uh, different topics, and the DH has been brought up just because of what's going on with the Players Association and Major League Baseball, whether to do it full-time in both leagues or not to do it. As I said before you came on, I grew up coming up in the National League, and then I grew up being a Cardinals fan, watching National League baseball games, what uh, what's your feel on the DH and how? Before we get into the preparation stuff, what, what do you think Major League Baseball should do? Uh, I think they. I mean, I played two years in the National League, and it's just you know it puts more onus on the manager. I just think it's it's more of a uh, pure, but I, you know if oh, is he freezing a little bit? Uh, yeah, he froze. All right, oh, there he is. Ah, uh, Lynn, that, that that was probably a great answer, but you froze. So <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Get no, I enjoy Yeah, uh, you're sitting. It, it, you know, have uh, it would give me a mental break because I wouldn't have from the left side or anything like that. Yeah, well, that's that, that's like that's what I feel about the DH, uh, Lindy. Is like there are guys that have DH that enjoy the taking a blow from the defense side of it and not having to rush out to go play defense. But I also think that the purity of the game—that's the one thing that I like. The lat, like the National League not having a DH because of the purity of the game and, and the strategy that comes with it. I, I think for me, watching a National League manager manage and navigate through a Major League Baseball game versus an American League manager are two completely different things. And, and that is an intriguing point of, uh, of take, being able to, to have, a, have a mental break from the field and just focus on hitting. Are you in a studio? Yeah, he's legit. <laughs> wow. He is so legit. Lit. Look at that. You, there, you, yeah. got the, you got the manager's calendar behind you? I love it. <laughs> Dude, he, he is so is legit. Or Binghamton? Yeah. Yeah, near, near Binghamton. W-E-B-O so, wow. in Oligo, New York. Check it out. Wow, do you have your own morning show? No. I just, my, morning I, drive with Foley and I, Ricky I, Rowe? <laughs> I might. We should start. Doing, we might have something, Ricky. Rowe. This, this is a interest, uh, Lynn. This is interesting. I'm in my garage in LA, right? Because I'm in my garage. Ricky's at, in his man cave. You're in your man cave in Indiana, I believe. And the no. dude. Oh, Florida, for, Florida. oh, he's in Florida. And then the yeah, he's he's Indiana's finest. So. Oh, it, he's from Indiana, but he's in Florida. And then the dude who's new to the show has a freaking professional radio setup. Like, what is going? What else did you expect from him? He's off show. Oh, yeah, it's a great well, microphone. Lindy, the, the problem is, is I live out in the country and I don't get—I have no internet service and I have no cell phone service. So this is uh, this is my next best. <laughs> I, 
Adam, let me ask you this. When uh, when you're coming up as a baseball player and then you get there and they tell you, hey, you're going to be primarily a DH, how do you take that? There was, it's either being the big leagues or, you know, being AAA. There's no uh, – when I found that out, I was a younger player. I was probably 26 or 27, but there's no – what are you going to say, no? <laughs> so I had to accept it and uh, – you know, I DH. I actually DH'd a lot in my late twenties, but then you know, when I got older, I, I you know, I played. I played in the NL for two years. I, uh, you know, when I was in Seattle, we had Nelson Cruz, so he DH. So um, I had a few years that I got to enjoy being DH. But you know, I didn't towards the end of my career. I didn't DH all that much. Huh? We went backwards. And but you can let anybody forget this guy can play first base too. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, and then we had Edwin, and, you know. <laughs> I just got pushed out. They wanted me to DH, but there were just so many better hitters than me, so they had to put me at first base because I was a nice like, supporting player. No, but this guy could literally wake out of bed and, and rake. He was like, you'd see him walk up to the plate, and you're like, this guy rakes. The first time I ever saw him, that was my initial thought. thought. I was like, whoa, like. This guy rakes it like, oh, wait till you watch this guy. He just he drops bombs. He hits the ball everywhere. And sure enough, next thing you know, we're in high A, double A. And then I'm watching him in the big leagues, and he's doing his thing. And then I joined him as a teammate. And, I mean, in 09, I mean, you win the Edgar Martinez Award, the best DH of the of the mm-hmm. that year. And um, and it just showed that I don't think with, with Adam it was ever about ego. It was more, all right, you want me to DH, that's what I'll do. Whenever you need me to go play left field, I'll go play left field. If you need me at first base, I'll go play first base. Whatever it was, he never got too high. He never got too low. You just never <laughs> saw it with him. Well, I didn't let it affect me. I, they just said you're DHing. I never was like, I never let it get into my head that I wasn't. It really messes with some people's minds, and they can't adjust. But fortunately, I have the mentality where it is what it is, and. Now, how do I you? Yeah. Beers. How, okay, so take me through your routine. The day you know your DH and work, do you even have a glove in your locker? <laughs> yeah, I was never that big league. <laughs> <laughs> you think big you think, you think with big your bats only? You yeah, only Frank Thomas showed up with a bat. I'm I'm just asking the dumb questions that the fans are going to say. Like, okay, if the, like if I'm a DH, why do I even need a glove? Okay, but you're right. You were also a guy that they can put in at the end of games to get going. And if you need him at first base, all right. So you're different. But now when you're DH, what do you do? Like, do you sit in the dugout the entire time? Do you go underneath in the cage and hit? Like, what's a DH's routine during a game? I just sat there. Um, I Ricky would know. I considered myself the sixth inning pitcher. pitchers uh but no i didn't hit a whole lot i just i'm an interesting guy i guess i just didn't let it affect me i just went up there and took my five of bats and went home and linda you would say this and i i could echo the same thing playing with guys that dh full time like the mental capacity that you have to have to be a major league (laughs) dh is significantly different than just being playing both both ways, playing defense and playing offense. Like there's guys that get wrenched mentally 
that are like starting to learn the DH role. I mean, I, there, there's no truer statement than, than that. Yeah, just to get some people's heads. Some people, like people that don't DH every day, like it would be their most exhausting day because they feel like they'd have to be in right. a cage. The only time they weren't in the cage was when they were hitting in the game. And uh, and obviously, when you get a hit your first at bat or, you're, you know, you're two for three, it's way easier to DH than when you're 0 for 4, you know, and you just sit there and think about how bad of a hitter you are and you're supposed to be the best hitter. <laughs> That's what I always said as a DH. It's like if, you, if No, that's what I was saying, Lindy, is if you get to a spot where you go 0 for 4 and you're like, geez, I really came to the field and did nothing today. I remember in the minor leagues you DH, and it was like, I don't want to DH because I can at least maybe help the team defensively because I'm, I I stink right now hitting. So this is the bad idea. Well, I had so many people tell me I was bad defensively. I was, like, hurting the team <laughs> being out there. <laughs> that's I not like true. I, that's I was not not being out in the outfield or at first base. If you yeah. if you were the commissioner, Lindy, would you have a DH both leagues? Which way would you go? Would no, you I, I wouldn't. I'd leave it the way it is. You wouldn't? Really? Why? Well, what is the way it is now? Is it both DHs? No, no, no it's no, no, National, National League, League, American League. Pitcher. Yeah, yeah, same as always. Yeah, I would. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it keeps changing all the time, right? Like they were, they wanted to do the the universal PH again this year, and they didn't do it. But it's like, yeah, it is well, confusing. I, it was, I, I think there's a lot of variables that can go into it. I think players want it because it gets more players in the league, but it's going to hurt pitcher's stats. So what's it going to do to like uh, arbitration and things like that? Be because if there's a DH, you know, the pitcher's numbers aren't going to be quite as good, but you're also going to be giving more people an opportunity to have a, a position on the team. See? See? I would agree with that, but there's, there's also a piece of it though, with the pinch hitting, like teams tend to carry larger benches in the national league because of the, the pinch hitting. Now, pinch hitting role, that's a different conversation, right? Like, how hard is it to be a pinch hitter? You play in the National League at the end, Lindy. Like, what? what is that like? I mean, coming off the bench, I watched him. Justin Turner was one of, one of the best younger in his career coming off the bench. But that's hard. So, anyways, back to the DH thing, though. It, it, does, it does allow guys to come on as pinch hitters and stuff like that. But, but it is uh, – the, the main argument that I've heard a lot is – how it can affect pitchers from base running and their legs hurt and those type of things. And I, I just, I don't have time for that. I think <laughs> yeah, <of course>. I <laughs> my legs hurt. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, and I mean, all they do in between their starts is squats and lunges and, and yeah, split it, squats, yeah. you know. And maybe if they didn't run 30 minutes every other day, their legs wouldn't hurt. I don't know, Lindy. Let them know. I, 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 you know, this is what happens when you have two hitters and one pitcher in this in this in this podcast here. Uh, Beto, it, you know, they pile on on the pitchers, but you know, I I, I think I see both sides of it. Um, I'm not leaning towards one side more than the other. It's just I feel like when that's all you've ever seen, you're like, 
all right. But then when you look at Edwin Encarnacion still out there, you're like, if he, he would benefit out of a universal DH, you know, in the National League. He would help a team. And we talked about the sampling of 60 games. It's tough, you know. Sometimes it takes hitters a little longer than that to get going throughout the throughout the season. And it, I, I, I firmly believe that it's hurting him a little bit. You know, Lindy didn't officially retire, you know, and he still I, – I feel like he can still go get out of bed and, and go and rake, you know. Could, and, Adam, right now, could you? Could you – if you're in spring training, could you just show up and get a couple bombs? Uh, at 5 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I was just done because I was just done having projectiles at 98 miles per hour thrown at me. I just, (laughs) I was over that, especially in AAA. Boy, and then you you watched, uh, I saw Ichiro yesterday facing live pitching in in the Seattle camp, and you're just like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, and it's, it's just, I feel like a lot of guys, you know, Edwin, Lindy, like they can get up there and, and, and battle it out against some pitchers for sure. I mean, I could go out there for a week right now. I don't think I, I – there's – after a couple years off, there's no way I could go out for six months. <laughs> hey, Adam, let me ask you these uh, these dumb questions here as a guy just watching from the press box. When they start throwing 98 and you're cold and you're coming in as a pinch hitter, what the hell is going through your mind? Well, I – was definitely more warmed up or had a sweat going when I was a pinch hitter as opposed to DHing because uh, you got to be ready for that first pinch in 98. And if you're cold and stiff, you're it's going to hurt, especially if you swing and miss. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you got to have your eyes ready. Uh, so I was always in the cage before I would pinch it. And, and okay. pinch hitting, you know, there was you, you could tell whether the pitcher was coming up or, you know, like one of your light hitting infielders was hitting and you needed, you know, a, a little more of a potent bat. And, you know, you could kind of read the manager's mind. Now, what about this one? Watching pitchers hit as a professional hitter that you were. And when you're watching a pitcher go up there and they don't even know how to grab the bat, what are you thinking? Just get my glove and get ready to go play defense. <laughs> <laughs> because their legs hurt, so they don't want to like hit and swing and run. So they got to go there and take. Because they don't want, hey, they don't want their hands to hurt. Because I, wa- I wanted to run, I just couldn't unhook that trailer, man. I was. There's no way. You I mean, and me both, Ricky, and I was a real player. Nato's <laughs> probably the fastest one here. I'm ready to go. Now, Lit, this, once again, I'm a member of the media here in L.A. I'd always watch when Interleague was coming up, you would see Dodger pitchers all of a sudden out there taking BP in a different way. They're not bunting like Kershaw and these other dudes were actually trying to hit as a hitter. And you're watching the pitchers taking real BP get into the outfield. Are you like just I'm like what are you guys doing wasting people's time? Yeah, and they're yeah. like they're gambling and they're talking smack to each other. Yes! You can hit it morning track, and yeah. uh, they have their own special guy that throws BP. Like the third base coach always throws yeah. BP to the pitchers. No, they and don't. You, and you have oh, to come yeah. out super early because nobody wants to watch that shit. You know, nobody, nobody. It's just you. You're out there by your, with the with the coach and the pitching coach and making sure nobody gets hurt and. But if you can't tell their stories, they don't want to hit because their legs hurt, but their pe- favorite part of the week is the day they get to take batting practice. <laughs> <It's> batting practice. <laughs> hey, Lindy, there's more that comes with hitting. That's what I always used to tell these guys. Uh, like, Once you strike the ball, 
you have to run. And if you hit the ball in the gap, you got to run 180 feet. You oh. know how far that is, right? Oh. Yeah, like, like, oh, don't hurt yourself. You, you hey, pitch man. once every five days, Ricky. I'm not trying uh, to get I, on you, but. I, I tell this story all the time. My first career bat was in Philadelphia against Cole Hamels, and Wayne Murphy was our hitting coach, Lindy. And I remember coming in after that first at bat, and he goes, and he's just laughing. He's like, what do you got, kid? I was like, man, I will never talk shit on a hitter ever again. Ever again. <laughs> and till that day, I my respect to you guys because it, it's not an easy thing. And they'll tell you. These guys will tell you. It's not easy. And uh, Lindy, towards the end of his career, he's got, he's got guys throwing 98 every single day, 100, you know, out of the bullpen. And. It's just a completely different ball game now as when we came up in 09. And it doesn't oh, seem like it's that far. Like, it wasn't that far uh, <laughs> a long ago that, that that happened. And now you got guys, you know, every guy's 103, 104. And it's like really normal, you know? It's just the thing that everyone does. 103. Well, the thing that I miss was getting three or four at-bats against one pitcher. And now that doesn't, you know, you might have, if you're lucky with some teams, like Tampa or Milwaukee, like you're only, you might face the starting, the starter, the opener once, twice. You're not going to, you're not getting those at bats anymore where you get point. to, to uh, get in rhythm with the pitcher. That's well, that's, true. that's the thing, Lindy. I, I do agree with it. I mean, I, I, I remember going into, uh, like going into Philadelphia and facing that staff. Well, they, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie used to let his man, uh, his pitchers go 130 pitches. So there was no working counts. I mean, you were getting a guy for three or four at-bats, and you could work the at-bat, and you, you had a plan going in. Now there's no plan. These dudes are just firing balls in there, just throwing it forward, and you get them one time, and on to the next guy throwing it forward. Yeah, it's uh, – hitting is definitely much more difficult now than uh, it was – Six years ago. Hey, is, it really, is, is it really more difficult, though, Lindy, or have we made it more difficult? Ooh. Uh, well, they. I think they have 26-man rosters now, so you know they added a pitcher. They weren't going to put a position player in the roster. Uh, I mean, just look, averages – I mean, homers are up, but I think averages are, are way down. Way down. Yeah. And uh, strikeouts are – Record setting, so, yeah. Uh, you, man, uh, it's a different time. It's a, it's all, and it wasn't that far ago. And you guys are still in your thirties, and you're sounding like the old man, like back in my day. And it's not that you guys are, <laughs> but no, but it's not that you guys are old. It's just the way the game has changed seemingly overnight. It's like I, you don't recognize it because if it was an Adam Lynn right now in Double A, what he's being told is completely different from what he was told. In 2005 and six, it would be Adam just swing for the fences and forget about everything else because he's all these different analytics that'll uh, that we care about compared to what you guys were brought up with, and it's that's kind of like we like doing this podcast, Adam, is because you get the perspective of guys who are just right there in that transition, but you still educate the fan about what's going on. Uh, Ricky, do me a favor, turn up your microphone just a little bit. So you get a little, you don't have to get that close, but just turn it up a little bit more. Okay. Adam, and since we are live and you are doing fantastic ripping uh, Ricky Antoli right now, we have a question for you. Did you ever get an offer or try to play in Asia towards the end of your career? I tried, but um, that was about as far as I tried. 
me sing. <laughs> I wanted to go, but I didn't know where to begin or who to talk to. My agent didn't really give me. Okay. Any reviews so you would have gone. So. If, if, if you yeah, I mean, I would have gone. If someone invited me to spring training right now, I would be there. <laughs> <laughs> really? All right, what about Mexico, Tully? Take him down there. To Mexico? Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I almost went two years ago out of independent ball, but uh, somebody told me my career would have really been over then. I mean, it's pretty much just the end when you get <laughs> That's you what they say. Come to a realization that that's going to be the end. So and then I found a, a studio, money. and now I'm on the radio. Yeah, there you go. Uh, better place, better place. Adam, as you, as you, oh, go ahead, Rick. No, and I'm saying I was going to say I was going to just talk about Lindy a little bit more. I mean, I also can't forget um, the three homer game at Fenway. Another uh, great uh, <laughs> performance he put up. He hit three home runs one night at Fenway. And fucking Papelbon came and smoked them the last that bad. No. Yeah, yeah. Why? We were like, we were hoping that he was, uh, he was gonna go for that fourth. I'm sure he wanted it too, and it was just one of those things where it didn't. And I remember, rest in peace, Doc Halliday. But the next day, he stood up for him and smoked Big Poppy first at bat. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Doc Poppy had had an elbow guard. I didn't. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Uh, you know, let me let me follow up with that then, Adam. Um, you you're in the zone. You're hitting. What? Why the fuck are they hitting you, man? Like I hate that about the game. Like you're doing your job. So why do you deserve to get hit in their eyes? Well, I think Pavelbon is a bit of an old school guy, and that's just okay. Well, for, come into okay. All right, all right, all right, right. Forget old school. But why? It's probably just easier to hit somebody if someone's got three homers. <laughs> it's easier to do that than to pitch to them. It's, okay. it's stupid, right? He, he, he turned around. It hurts. I know that. He apologized, too. And I'm like, what What did you apologize? Like, he was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to our whole dugout. And everyone was livid. You know, everyone's, like, screaming and yelling. I'm just a young pup, so I'm just kind of sitting there like, whoa. Like, this this really just happened? It was just one of I didn't even know that. that. I didn't even know that oh, happened because I, I was yeah. brown. <laughs> so you you went up there knowing you're getting smoked. No. no. Oh no. no, I didn't know. Lindy would be the last person to pimp a home run too. So he was that guy that would have just hit him and run the bases, and and that was it. It was just one of those things where he felt like he needed to hit him or three home runs. That's too many for you, man. Here you go, boom. But that's his job, <laughs> right? That would. You would think, right? I mean, it's that, just, that, that, so, that part of the game, I don't agree with. That. Yeah. That, just, so hey, the guy's doing his job. So you have big Adam Lynn on the ground be, because the, the, his back is just a, a big bruise now because a ball, a ball hit him at 98. Papelbon says, oh, I'm sorry to the dugout. You guys are woofing. And Lynn is just there like, oh, guys. <laughs> Somebody like, come get me. Yeah. That sucks. Or like I can't breathe right now. <laughs> <laughs> they always say they always say if you can't get them out you might as well hit them this probably was his theory now okay totally you the catcher knowing that's happening i mean i i don't think i've never had a conversation with a pitcher to drill somebody after three home runs 
unless a guy is just really aggressive on the okay. pimp and showing your team up, then that's a different story. Of course, but, of uh, course, of course. I, 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 I can assure you that was not the story with Lindy. That was just that was an ego thing that got in Papelbon's way, I would imagine, and he just smoked him. Hey, pitchers can be pitchers can be a little loose cannons. Uh, they're yeah, they they're can, not yeah. the sharpest knives in the, the American drawer. League. Ain't that yeah. the truth? Right, because they don't they don't have to hit, right, Lynn? Right. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, like I said, I think the coolest part, or not the coolest part, but it was like a veteran like Doc Halliday having his back yeah. and coming after Big Poppy the next day and saying, you know what, I'm coming after you. Obviously, yeah, he had an elbow guard, that ball bounced like all the way to second base. <laughs> Poppy knew it. He took his. He didn't even look at Doc. Like he might have just like glanced at him, but he took off his elbow pad, dropped his bat, and went to first base. And, and that like, ended it. You should, you should, yeah, you should be mad at at Papelbon. You know, the, yeah. it's his fault. You know why you're getting hit. Uh, one more question, uh, Jesse Reynoso. Toughest pitcher you faced in your major league career, Adam? Felix Hernandez. That's easy. He was nasty. Ninety-eight. Change up at like 92, curveball, shoulders to ankles. He was, uh, stuff-wise, uh, number one or two I'd ever. Dylan Batances had the best curveball, but he didn't have a changeup, and Felix had all three. Uh, he was an amazing pitcher. I thought you were going to say, and you know where I'm going with this, Lindy, I thought you were going to say Randy Choate, man. <laughs> Actually, when I went to Milwaukee, I owned that guy. Like three he was so like, I can't, yeah. JT, he, he would come in, he'd be warming up, and Lindy would be on the on-deck circle, and he'd be like, oh, fuck, again? Maddie brought him in every single time, basically. Every single time. Every single time we, we, we it was a big situation, Randy Choate's coming in. To face just the, you know, and that's, that's, there's always your one guy that haunts you, huh, Lindy? But, but, but that's the part of the game that I missed a little bit. It was, it was like, you know, where, where it was a cat and mouse game, and it's like, okay, Adam Lynn, he's he's raking, he rakes. I'm gonna bring in the lefty for one hitter, boom, get him out. He'd come in two, three pitches or whatever it was, get him out. You know, that was that was his day, and I think that's a little bit of. A, what the game is missing now, I feel like. there's a, There was a lot of cat and mouse, no numbers. It was me against you. No matter what you did, like, if Lindy hit a home run off of him that night, I guarantee you Madden would bring him again the next time. You know, there was no, no question. Like... But that's, and Adam, that's where the game is changing so much, right? Now we have three minimum, three minimum batters. It's just like... I always say this. If they think that's going to speed up the game from three hours and one minute to two hours and 55 minutes, like people that like watching baseball are still going to watch the game. Like that, there's no the, – the, it's the same. I, I That's what bothers me because I did – I enjoyed those days. I really did of, of the, the managing, the cat and mouse type of uh, managing style. Adam, moving on from this, uh, <clears throat> we always uh, try to ask different questions to the guests and we're moving on. Your first day in the major leagues, where was it? How was it? Who was there? You, how much do you remember? Uh, it was at Fenway. I remember, 
watching the game in Boston the night before, and like Alex Rios went for a pop up down in the corner in Fenway, and it like hit his glove and bounced over. And Doc Holliday went nuts because he was pitching. I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be like a real like comfortable environment tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember getting there, going out to the cage because the cage was in center field, and like my roommate's song in college was uh, like Six in the Morning by uh, I don't even remember Six in the Morning Six in the Morning and uh, they played it when I walked out of the dugout and I did just ease my mind because it was like a song that uh, that was played in locker rooms and in my my dorm room you know four years prior to that and I just that's my biggest memory of my first day in the big I didn't play my first day, but my biggest memory was hearing that song as I walked out of the dugout. I know, it's a great memory. Great. Hey, Lindy, and when you see Doc Halliday act like that, were you like, oh, shit, I don't want to ever mess something up if I'm playing defense behind him? That's why I asked him the age. Uh, I wouldn't have to deal with it. <laughs> and it's true. It's a true story. It's a true story, uh, guys. Um, a lot of guys will tell you the guys that played Bautista when he was coming up, he was playing third base. He's like, dude, I was scared shitless to make an error behind him because he was so per- he was so uh, he was such a perfectionist that he wanted everything done the right way, right? You don't want to mess up a big moment in his in his in his start. So it was always it's always interesting hearing guys that played defense behind behind uh, behind Doc Halliday. What number did you get, in Lindy? My jersey number? Yeah. Uh, 26. Okay. <laughs> so you had a good number. All right, all right. In Fenway. <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> thanks, Boss Ross. He picked out a, you know, I played a little while. <laughs> Big thing. Yeah. Oh, did you have any family in attendance? Yeah, my whole family was there. Sister, <clears throat> uh, cool. my parents, um, and then four friends of mine from college uh, made the trek up from Mobile, Alabama. Did you get the hit? Yeah, I went one for five that day. Uh, the double. So, But my first at bat, I'm advanced runner. I hit a ground ball to second base. Yeah, yeah we, baseball, I, Lindy. I think I, re- I think I remember watching that game in, in New Hampshire. I think they put it up in the big screen subs so in double A. And I remember they were talking about your debut and all that. And I remember you hitting a double off, the, off left field, right? The big monster? Yeah, against the lefty. I mean, there you go. The way the world works, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tolly, this is your guy right here. You were fo- <laughs> Lindy. Tolly, oh. like, this is a different interview than I thought it was going to be. This was much more serious than I thought this was going to be. What did you think? And I got to tell the story about Tolly because we. Were oh, if you want to tell stories, feel free. Yeah. We are not serious the, uh, here. Oh no, yeah, we're, we're not just, serious, man. We yeah, were we on the Jays on the tour. We were in the Jays winter tour in, uh, I don't even know where we were, somewhere in Canada. Not in Toronto. And uh, we went to this local Y, and Josh Tolley told all the kids to learn how to throw a knuckleball so he could continue his career. <laughs> so the whole time of the camp, all we did was work on throwing knuckleballs. <laughs> hey, hey, Lindy. I told them last week on the show, I said, they, I, I, said I never filed my paperwork. Well, why didn't you file your like retirement paperwork? You never know when a knuckleballer doesn't have a catcher to throw to. I do that. Honestly, I would do. I could do that when I'm 45. It'd be a piece of cake. 
Come on. Remember, you remember the home opener when JP tried to catch Dickie? Yeah. <laughs> like target practice with the backstop. <laughs> I can't. I shouldn't laugh. I had many of those days. I remember in Houston one. T- I remember in Houston one time. It was like seven drop balls or something. And finally, Joe West is like, "Hey, you ever gonna catch any of these?" And I'm like, hey, well, you try to catch this thing. You can't even call it right. You think you can catch it? <laughs> he was throwing uh, it like eighty-six miles an hour. Wasn't yeah, it? it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. Oh, oh man. I remember. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let me play catch with them. I, I told drop, and I was like, let me just see one. And I saw one, and I was like, uh-uh. I'm not even going to bother. Hell no. It was hey, nasty, people man. used people used to make fun of me. I would play catch with them in the outfield, full gear, right? Like, yeah, I mean, everybody probably always <laughs> talked, talked about it, right? Like, I'd be out there full gorilla, mask on and everything. But I'd take the too many balls off the side of the napkin. I, I said, I'm done doing that. I, I don't want to get hurt before the game happens. It hurts enough when I get hit in the game. Wait, mm-hmm, yeah. <clears throat> the knuckle, they, they – Warm up, throwing the knuckle. Yeah, play catching the outfield, playing long toss with the knuckleball. No, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. I thought they were just throwing it like during their bullpen when they're pitching, like just a regular warm up. Yeah, just a regular. Warm-up. Oh fuck that! Those guys were throw. Oh, he didn't know how to throw anything else. <laughs> well, he had five other pitches, Lindy. Oh yeah, that's right. Finger, a splitter. Oh. Yeah, I remember Lindy, one day just... he tried to pitch a. He tried to throw a first pitch fastball by Miguel Cabrera. That that was real. In all honesty, that I remember this. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. You would get so frustrated when he would try to throw a fastball. And it would always come like it would be against like Trout, Miggy, Pujols. It would be against yeah. the boppers. First pitch fastball strike. It's like, oh. Well, I didn't call the pitch. I just I sit back there like a crash dummy. And he just throws something <laughs> forward. I catch it. Hey, did you call pitches at all? Like, I put fingers down, but he called the game from the mound. Interesting. That's R.A. Dickey. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn, did you ever hit a knuckleballer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Wakefield was in our division uh, for years. And then I think I faced Dickey once when I was in Seattle. I faced him in Toronto. Now, as a hitter, you see that coming. Like, how do you – what? What? Like, What? Uh, yeah, that's what you're saying. What? (laughs) Just, you know. And Lindy, just so, Lindy, just so you know, this thing. I told, well, sorry, I told, I got into an argument one day with Steven Strasburg about pitching. I was like, the spin rate of R.A. Dickey is just killing the average spin rate in Major League Baseball. (laughs) There's no spin, right? Good point. That's a good point. There's no argument. That's an an actual real point. Well, Rick, didn't you uh, send a uh, message in our group chat about how the Orioles have a knuckleballer now? Somebody did this morning. Yeah, they, there's a new knuckleballer, so there might be a job for you, JT. No, I think Look his up. name is Eddie, Eddie Gamboa or something. I don't know. He yeah. must be around still. I got like to wait till they get established. <laughs> oh. Mike Nickius. <laughs> he only gets his big league knuckleballs. <laughs> Look at that. So, Luila, what do you do now? I'm in college, trying to learn Spanish. I like decided stats class this morning, so I'm learning all about stats. And I feel like the game has changed so much. If I want to try to get back in the game, uh, you know, I played in the big leagues, and that's not a resume that, that they want anymore. They want educated people or people that work at batting academies, and that, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to try and 
get my degree and hit the workforce. Wait, okay, so you went to the University of South Alabama, and then you get drafted, mm -hmm. you leave. So you're in college right now, where? Well, I University of South Florida. I got okay. denied my first time, so I had to go to junior college for a year. Oh, okay. Get my GPA up. And then now this is my first semester at real college. And how much longer you got? You're a junior? Uh, yeah, I got 14 <laughs> classes left. So if I was a normal student, I would probably be done next summer or fall. But with kids and stuff, I can only take two classes a semester. Cool, and I mean, Spanish takes up a lot of time. And uh, Wait, you, mean the, <clears throat> you mean the Latinos didn't teach you Spanish? Oh, hell no. No. Well, I, I talked to a guy uh, the other this past week. He's like, I don't even speak Spanish. I just speak Puerto Rican. He's like, I don't even know what he's Spanish right. is. He's right. He's right. Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican. It's all different. And then you take an actual college Spanish class, and you're like, what the hell is this? Que pasó? Right. You're really yeah. majoring in Spanish? Yeah. I got a... Uh, here's my book. No my, way. Uh, Suena. <laughs> Espanol sin barreras. So, can you speak uh, it? Uh, I don't have a problem speaking it because I don't care if I mess up, but uh, my ear is way behind because you solamente tiene un hora por semana para hablar con mi profesora. Y después la clase yo tengo. Or solamente as yo estudio uh, con, conmigo, con, <laughs> con quien me. Wow, so he so speaks saying, way better than most Mexicans that I know. <laughs> he's, well, what he's saying is that, that he, he's only got him to learn Spanish. He can't yeah. speak it with anybody else. That's so awesome. It's, it's a little yeah. con yo, Lindy. No, 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 no. See, you got to unlearn that one. <laughs> oh, I started laughing. See, and now uh, hopefully a, a general manager will see value in that. All right. And, for sure. Uh, oh, Lynn, just the fact that you even understand a little bit is a huge asset. Because how many <clears throat> Mexican guys did you play with that didn't understand it or speak it? You know, like Ricky uh, can attest to that because... You know, Ricky spoke it, but then there were some guys that were second, third generation born in the United States where they don't understand it. They can't yeah. know what's going on. And then you in South Florida, you got the Cubans, Venezuelans, the Puerto Ricans, all, all, yeah. all different world. And, you yeah. know, they eat black beans, we eat brown beans. It's a it's a mess, Lynn. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was telling Ricky last year we saw each other for the Jays tour or whatever um, that thing was. And... Uh, he said something to JP in Spanish, and I was like, "Oh, really?" Because I, because I, that's when I started. I started about a year ago, getting getting serious, and uh, I understood what Ricky said. He was, and he was surprised, and I've been following through with it, man. I've been doing my best. I've, awesome. I've worked really hard. Good for and, you, man. Uh, it's way. I don't know anything about baseball in Spanish, but I could tell you, family members and and you know things like that. But as far as the what, game, I, I would need to take a month to learn baseball, uh, the El Idioma Day Baseball. <laughs> totally, no, you speak a little bit, right? The, you speak the baseball yeah, but, Spanish? Yeah, like just 
talking trash. That's what I talk. I don't uh, like that. What Lindy just did that was so impressive. Yeah, man, that's you're awesome. Gonna, Lindy, you, you could be like you could be like a like the perfect role would be going into a, a major league system, into an affiliated system, and have the ability to to go be a, a mental coach and those type of things, more than just teaching hitting. And then you bring that experience with it. Shit, it should be endless. You would think well, so, I, right? <laughs> I talked to some former coaches of mine, and like they're all unemployed. They're, they're yeah, that's the just, problem. You're right. The qualification for what they want is different now than you know whether it's energy yeah. and youth or or yes sir people or your knowledge from not even knowing the actual game, but you can somehow translate it from the computer screen or a application. And understanding that more is more important than experience in of playing. Damn. The game is done change quick. Ha cambiado. Si. Si, mucho. Ha cambiado. Que lastima. Me. What is it? My oír? Oído. Oír? Oído. Your ear is your no oído. Bueno. No, no bueno. bueno. Oh, well, you're it's got it. Is- it's Hoven. Me, me, oído is Hoven. Young. Tony's <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally like, man, what, where, where am I? Where am I right now? I you know, think you guys should have done this all in Spanish. I, that would have been good. Me encanta. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's cool. It's cool to listen to how passionate he is about Spanish. And yeah. It really is a big, big, big requirement, I feel like. Or it takes you, I think, to the next level if you understand Spanish, especially in baseball, because there's a lot of young Latin kids who a lot of the times need stuff translated to them or it just doesn't translate well. So you bring in somebody that knows how to speak their language, one, they feel comfortable, and two, they they probably grasp at the instructions a little better than they would if somebody that doesn't speak their language is trying to explain something and they're just looking at at the coach I, like, what, what I are you think it's about? Right, I think it's um, it's a trust factor, right? Like that's, that's why I always took it serious to learn the baseball side of it so I could have the conversations and even I would get words wrong all the time and my sentences would be all screwed up, but they understood what I said and they, they gravitated to me because I enjoyed practicing and they would, they would correct me when I was wrong, yeah. but I gave so it the effort and that's all they want. The effort. That's You're all that matters. You're speaking Puerto Rican, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Lynn, we appreciate it. We're going to have you back on uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a, a five-minute Espanol segment with you. All right? So how about that, Tolly? It, it was... <laughs> All right. So it's March 9th. In April, we're going to have you back. We're going to call you, and it's going to be all in Spanish flow. All right? ¿Estás listo? Sí. Tú sabes. <laughs> oh, man. Yo no, puedo, yo no puedo que... I well, can't. we're learning subjective, so like I learned the whole language, and now all the endings are way different. So it's like, yeah. hey, just oh, yeah. l- and Lynn, just let you know, me and Ricky have no idea what that is because I got to be in Spanish because you're oh, a Spanish speaker, but when you take the writing part of it, oh man, the pretérite and all that. Mm-mm. I'm an A plus AP Spanish guy, man. Come on, you got an A. Uh, come on, I know I know how to conjugate verbs. I know how to do all that good stuff, man. That Cal State Fullerton education. I am sorry I spoke for you, young man. I talk to a girl in Mexico every day, and she's from Mexico City. She calls herself Chalanga. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a different world over there, see? <laughs> you see, the funny thing is that's a completely different kind of Spanish that they speak in other regions of Mexico. It's yeah. crazy, man. It's yeah. just, it, it, I feel like Spanish is just in its own world. It's like being from the South, speaking to a guy from L.A., speaking to a guy from upstate New York. You know, it, it's, it's, but it's beautiful, man. We're, Lindsay, good job. We'll talk to you in a month, five minutes, on uh, Vamos Ricky Roll podcast. <laughs> Yo pienso que uh, yo sé uh, por lo menos cinco minutos. Five minutes? He can do five minutes totally. Totally's looking at I this like, right, like, totally's like, this is like I analytics least, again. Por lo menos, is that at least? At least? Yeah, yeah something like that. that. Por lo menos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have my tra- I have my translator set up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's someone in that studio that can, like... Yeah, yeah, in Binghamton. In Binghamton. Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. Very yeah. diverse where I live, Lindy. All right, <laughs> <laughs> any last words Lindy, for you? I'm so excited to see you. Uh, Fires any, me yeah. up. Yeah. I'm right, glad yeah, I finally, yeah. like, got invited. <laughs> oh, it's you're all, invited every, every Tuesday. You're invited. You're it's just, only our second <laughs> show, bro. Relax. Calmado. <laughs> Ah, see. Same link every week, Lindy. You're in. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. See, see you, you guys. Yeah, All right. We'll talk to you soon, Adam Lynn. And let's see here. Don't hang up, Tolly. Where you at? Uh, Lynn will hang up. And then I All can't. right. All right. We'll see you. There he goes. That Dude. All right. That was uh, interesting for us. Lynn is gone. We're still on live right now, Tolly. So don't go anywhere, bro. Um, I'm here. Like I said, for you listening, you're wondering, and it's like, how did you guys do that? We're trying different things with the show. I like that idea of having the theme to get to it, and then just talking to them later about life and conversation. What would you think, Tom? Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, his point of the the conversation being a little driven too serious, but I think for for some of the viewers, that's part of the conversation. Yeah. Right? Like we got we got to get to the sticking point if we're going to talk DH versus just talking about Lindy's experience for DH, but hearing his opinion, hearing his preparation, I think those are all things that yeah. he probably deemed were too serious, but that's, I I, <laughs> I, I think that's that's how, in my mind, and, I think people enjoy yeah. hearing more. I, I thought it was good, I thought it was good. And, and like I said, you're going to get a mixture of guys saying they like the National League rules and the American League rules, leave them as is. There's going to be guys that say, hey, bring the universal DH all across the league. And I, I think it's just an interesting point. And when you hear the, the, the point of views of why it is that they want to keep it as is or, or add the DH, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It makes for an interesting conversation. And, you know, other than these two heads bashing on pitchers, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some of it that you do enjoy uh, about getting to the plate in a, in a, on a big league field and, Especially if you're successful too. I mean, a lot of guys, like I said, I, I mentioned Bumgarner earlier. That guy lives for moments like that, and he loves like hitting home runs, and that's all he cares about. So it's going to be tough to take take those the, those bats away from from guys that think that way. Yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. It was fun. Uh, he was dry a little bit, but then once we started getting him going, oh, it opened Lindy. up. That's Lindy. It's always bait all that. We knew we knew what we knew what that was going to be. He just he's so funny though. His his sense of humor is actually hilarious. He just won't show it. I wear it on yeah. my sleeves when I'm dying laughing. He'll just he'll be dying inside. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It was pretty good. Uh we'll definitely do that again. So next week, 
Uh, Raza, I did see your message. Uh, for those of you wondering what happened earlier in the show when I said, oh, fuck, uh, my coffee spilled right next to my computer. And I, I, you guys saw the screen where my computer just completely fell. I threw my computer. That way the coffee wouldn't go on it. So I saved the show. That's why you guys were talking for a couple minutes. Dude, I got a big old mess to clean up in the Bethlehem Studios. But you guys were pros. You carried it. You kept going. Very nice. Yeah, that's what we do, Beto. You know that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, JT, I can't believe that Ace of SoCal is throwing jabs at you, man. That's not a jab. I actually, I'll be dead honest with you. Wait, he's who? Anthony of Orange County? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to start calling him the Ace of SoCal because Mike Francesa, I really like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, look up, I look up to him, Ace. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, See. There you go. Well, we appreciate Anthony of Orange County. Let's go. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, we do see all the comments coming through. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, who's a guest? Don't know. Uh, but we do know that in a month from now. Actually, no, hold on real quick. Before we log off. You guys were talking about how him learning the Spanish and the analytics on that. It should be able to easy. To, it should be easy to get a job without getting in trouble here. Totally. How does that not happen? Like, a guy like Ricky should be a special assistant somewhere, and I'm speaking for him. You would think that. You, who understands catching in some, some Spanish and knows what it's like, as players, how frustrating is that seeing that? Well, I, I think I think I always say this. Baseball is like the circle of life, right? Like, it, it's a vicious circle. It all will come back to what it was at some point in time. Now, the value of having the track record and – the credentials to go teach the younger generation is out the window. You have to go to Brown. You have to go to MIT. You have to go to, you got to have, you have to have those credentials now to get in. And that's, that's fine if that's how it's going to be. But at, at some point, the younger kids will miss out on the ability to learn from the older generation, whether they want to hear it or not. There's a lot of wonderful knowledge, believe it or not, on top. That's not just a hat rack, right, Ricky? I mean, there's, there's some great knowledge up there, and there's, and and it's not it's more than knowledge. It's it's the experiences that these kids need to know how to handle and how when you when you can't find the strike zone or you had a terrible outing, how do we bounce back? How do we deal with it? That's what the the older generations of players bring. But Beto, I, I am certain they will come back. Uh, it will come back full circle uh, at some point. And you do hear it a lot from younger guys, and I've, 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 I've heard it a lot. Every time I go back up to Toronto, they're like, or, or when I was out, you know, doing games in Vancouver, and I was meeting guys for the first time, they're like, hey man, you need to come around more often, and, and hey, let me know what you see. I'm gonna throw a bullpen. You mind watching it, or even like if it was a young position player, hey man, it's cool, like talking to you and stuff like that. So, it just all that stuff goes a long way. At the end of the day, it's it's one thing. Yeah, you have the numbers, you have that part, but the mental side, nobody can teach it other than the guys that have been there for nine innings, 162 games. That part is just you can't you can't tell a hitter, an analytical guy can't tell a hitter and say, hey, go go look go look for this pitch, and it's like it, it ain't that easy. You know? Right. And, and and Lindy, it was interesting. Lindy alluded to when somebody asked if he could go play right now, right? I think, Beto, you asked the question. Lindy, could you pick up a bat and go play? He says, yeah, I could go play for a week, but I can't. I couldn't play for six months. That's the cold, hard truth about a Major League Baseball season. And you will see that 
if if the if the industry doesn't go back to what it what it was, you're going to see guys falter quicker and not know how to get through a 162 game season. We alluded to last week of it's more than just 162 games. You got 20 off days, I think, or so, and then you have spring training. You're looking at over 200 days with your brotherhood and yeah. and the ups and downs and the struggles and the aches and pains and the flights and the everything in between is is the is the value that that ex players would bring to an organization. And again, I mean, the numbers are the numbers are fine. The numbers are there's a place for the numbers, but um, if you become too analytical heavy, I think you you miss out on the other side of the coin. I agree. I agree. And and it's something that you said. It's something that you said last week too. The Dodgers, yeah, they went out and got uh, Trevor Bauer, but the most important signing was the guy, the captain of the ship, you know, Justin Turner. And it's true. The, the, those veteran guys, him running that ship, the team would look completely different if he was in another uniform this year. It would just, hey, Rick, you know. Yep. Yep. I, hey, Ricky, I thought, I thought, I thought about that comment actually. I was thinking about it like a few days afterwards, and. Forget just the biggest sign for the Dodgers. You're going to see is this is one of the biggest signs in in the major leagues. Like if there's one guy you want on your team, it's him. I don't yeah. care how good your spin rate is. I don't care. I don't care what the the tangible numbers look like. There's an intangible piece of this. That's the important piece of it. And don't think for a minute if if if, if the Dodgers have good health this year, you will see them playing baseball once again at the end of October in the World Series. I think it's just a no-brainer because and, he is he is a key component. Yeah, and and, and I, this is the one thing I always wondered, and, and I always, like, sit here and think about it. Who's going to be the first team that kind of goes back to that old-school mentality of we're going to bunt our way through, no. we're going to hit and run, we're going to steal bases, we want burners, the top two hitters are going to be burners, our three, four, five are going to be the big boppers, the, the six, seven, eight are going to be the ones that work the count, and – and stuff like that, and and I always wonder what who's going to be that first team that kind of takes that uh, step towards that. Uh, yeah, and I'm excited to see how the, how Tony Larusa handles the White Sox this year. I really am. I mean, he was he was one of the older guys, the Jimmy Leland's, Bobby Cox. He was he was in that group. He was out of the game. The analytics have changed in in their face, not even while they're managing. And now Tony jumps back into it and is a skipper in Chicago. And how he runs his team. And how if in the also in the American League, which is different, I, I'm anxious to see if he goes back to that old school style of baseball. I, I mean, Dave Martinez did it in Washington. They won a World Series. So, like, there's a piece of it. And I, I think Tony will go back to it, to his old way of managing a little bit. Yeah, you listen, you, you listen a little bit to Theo Epstein, you know, leaving the Cubs and, and the comments he had to make about, you know, the way baseball is going. And, and how he's the one who it makes created a, the problem. You're yeah. right, Beto. You're it, right. It makes it makes him a little like he's like, man, this this is not going the way I wanted it to go, and it's taken away from the game. and And you talk about you talked about uh the does having a pitcher out there for three minimum hitters does it really make that big of a difference if you're there for two fifty five rather than three hundred one? No, it doesn't. Oh. The, the the your viewers now can we grow the game a little better? Absolutely, we should. You know, we should grow it a lot better. And 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 you got a lot. Uh, we got they, they they got a lot of work to do to, to get to that point. But to, to start making up rules and making up these things about like we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, I think that takes a little bit of the element of the game of baseball that, that we're used to seeing. You know, the complete games, the the, yep. the battling it out. The, 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 
that having to know that you're gonna face Miggy Cabrera three times in one in one game. I mean, it's stressful as shit. You know, yeah. it's like. It, 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 like at one point he's going to come up with men on base and you have to bear down and make good pitches. So it's just, like I said, it's, it, I always think who's going to be that first team that kind of makes that, that jump and says, all right, we're, we're going to, we're going to flip it on the analytics and kind of just go out there and play base hard baseball for nine innings. Yeah, well, let's keep our eyes. Let's keep our eyes on the white Sox. I, I think that would be a team that would, that would jump at it first. I mean, Joe Madden and, and um, Anaheim might, he might start going back a little more old school. I know he is a little analytical driven, but but I still think he understands the the cat and mouse game of of baseball, the hit and running, moving guys over. I mean, it, it's it's fascinating to me. The objective of baseball is to score more runs than the other team. So if we have an opportunity to score, let's do it. Let's move a guy over into scoring position into third base and sack fly, and now it's one nothing. We're winning. Like it's, totally, it's totally, not that hard. Totally, I'll tell you what. Play, totally should have been playing like in the 40s and 50s, man, where they used to leave the gloves. We used to leave the gloves and share them and everything else. Because, man. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, though. And, and you know this, uh, JT, from being uh, a catcher. There's nothing more stressful than the first few innings when these guys are putting pressure on your starter. And you're like, oh, man. Like, the last thing you want is to get into that yep. open. And next thing you know, it turns into a big night. There's a lot that goes into it. So, if you have a team that's, you know, the last thing. not I'm not saying the last thing a pitcher wants to do is get off the mound. But. Some of them are uncomfortable. Some of them are uncomfortable getting uh, when somebody lays down a bunt and ha they have to make a throw to first base and and all that stuff. Like I, I loved it because I'm, I'm an athlete, you know. But yeah, you are, Ricky. <laughs> yes, you are. I believe that. Yes, you are. <laughs> no, hey, but, but, you, know, hey, you know what hey, I mean, and Ricky. I, I do. And watch spring training. They don't practice it anymore. I've been in camps the last few years. They don't practice. You know, they go through the motions. I, I call it going through the motions. You know, the, the coach hitting a one-hop fungo back and you flip it down to second. There's no real, like, but defense. It happens one time in spring training, and that's it. Hey, get it out. Like, okay. No, take pride in fielding your position. And the good ones do. Clayton Kershaw yeah. takes time. He goes out later and does extra work. Like, there's guys that do do extra work because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want uh, – well, and they don't want to play from behind. You don't want your yeah. back up against the wall in the first freaking inning. I, I talked. I, I talked earlier about how Roy Halladay um, playing defense behind him. Try being in the same group during spring training during PFPs, and how intense he is. And it's like you better not fuck up that 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 right. uh, that PFP. One PFP is uh, pitchers fielding practice for those that don't know. But he took it so serious, and he pulled me aside one day. He's like, "You got." 15 seconds on that bump. Take it about as game-like as possible as you can. And from there on, I was like, I always took it serious, but I think that jolted me to another level of thinking. I was like, all right, I really have – these are these. this moment's going to come up during a game. It really is. And it sounds cliche because you hear it so much, but it really does come up during a game, and you better be ready for it. And he was always ready. He was one of the best at uh, building his position. And No question. And so I wanted to be that way too. I was like, hey – Anytime I get the ball on the mound and I'm doing a drill, I'm going 110%. I don't care. You know, it's very game-like. And, and it, it kind of sucks that, that, you know, that it's not done the way it once was done because those are big, big parts in a game that, that win or lose you ball games. It always, always happens, and it always comes back to haunt you. And you always end up seeing that stuff in the World Series where all of a sudden a guy that's the butt 
hell, yeah. I haven't bunted in eight yeah. years or yep. I've yeah. fielded and a in so many years. You, you're, you are exactly right, Beto. That's what was always my argument. Everybody changes how they manage the game in the postseason, right? Like because it's April 30th, you don't you don't try to get the butt down because our numbers say you have a better shot to hit a double or hit a home run or give me three guys to do that. It's completely different in the postseason when they say, oh, we need to play for a run. Like the one thing I've learned is every game counts over 162. I, I will never forget. And I, I well, I will forget the year. I think it was 2016 when we were playing in the wild card game. We ended up in the wild card game at home against Baltimore. But we were in a scenario in Boston at the last game of the season. There was like a six-way tie for who was going to be the wild card teams and where the game was going to be played. Oh, you were part of that. Okay. I was part of that team. So you think out of all of that, right, 162-game season, it comes down to four or five teams all being bunched up and tied at the end of the year. Like, <laughs> and, and how many games we just we games just got away from us or – what, what, whatever it may be, you know, all, all it would have been was to take care of the ball one time and we didn't do it, you know? Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, it, we can go on and on about this conversation. And, and we will. Like this because it, do, it does happen. It does happen where where it always comes up late in the year or late. how many times have we seen it that late in the year, oh, a team's got to play an extra game because the teams are tied, you know, yeah. all that right. stuff. And, you're, and, and yeah. you go back and you look at that one game where you – messed up a, a bunt defense or you threw a ball away and it makes huh. a huge difference it, it count april 1st yeah. the games count all the way up through the end of september always the always. same and way it, the same way and we'll have the same conversation uh next week uh maybe we'll have a guest maybe we won't fernando esquivel says you guys are forever upgrading the mics you sound far away beto yeah because i was told i was too hot so I've been messing with my microphone. Ricky sounds good. <laughs> Tony sounds good. I'm trying to figure out. Hey, man, look, I'm, I'm here by myself, bro. It's just me, all right? So, like, I'm here for you. Nobody's paying me. Nobody's helping me out. Tony's got a professional in studio. Ricky's got his own Costa Rica thing. It's just me doing it all by myself. But, no, nah, I'm not complaining. Uh, no, it, it's actually fun, though. But <laughs> No, but Fernando Escobar, uh, appreciate you leaving that comment. Make sure you go rate and review. Let us know what's going on. I am messing with the microphone because I know that I get a little too hot. I get a little too uh, animated, so I'm trying to mess with the levels for you there. Uh, but this was a fun show. Uh, definitely do it again next week. Go to the Instagram page, Let's Go Ricky Rowe. Uh, share with friends. Let them know what's going on because I think we're getting the feel and the vibe of how we want this show to go. And as uh, our good friend Jess Ray, who's a great kid, you'll love him totally. He's the one who replaced the Ace of SoCal as our friend. Um, he said... Tolly is so good. So he, that kid knows talent. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Tolly, go back to your roof. Go uh, go back to being Farmer Josh. Uh, Rick, I hear kids in the background yelling at you. Yeah. All right. Standard. <laughs> Never ends. Never All ends, right, boys. Man. All right, we'll see you guys right. next week. Thanks Great for listening. Job. We'll see ya. Bye.